I'm like, say something, I throw on a red wig. I'm like, well, what's Opie think? <laughs> that was good. Good, good, good. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Shirts and Ties, a podcast about education and culture. I'm Brian Miller. And I'm Casey Shirts. Casey, my man, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so the last couple of weeks we've gotten together and we've talked a lot about um, how to help people enjoy their job, get better at their job. And so we've thought about that as leaders, as supervisors, as bosses, and kind of off the record you and I had talked a little bit about it'd be fun to talk about bad bosses and and what to do (laughs) if you had them so I thought I'd take that from you and uh, maybe have a little fun with it and let's talk about bad tv and movie bosses and what to do if you had a boss like that I like that idea because here's a uh, here's the reality is uh even our good bosses have things about us have things about them that drive us crazy um and we can either focus on those and allow those things to really grade in us and impact our days and our jobs, or we can just say, hey, here's the reality. What can we do about it? And then every now and then we actually have these terrible bosses. So I'm excited. Sometimes talking about your boss is a little therapeutic, right? Sure. So, sure. Um, and, and should we do a disclaimer here? We're not talking about our bosses, our supervisors. I feel like we should say that, right? Uh, we should. I don't know if it's true, but we should at least say it. <laughs> All right, well, let's get after it. Uh, I thought a little bit about TVs and movies, and so I'm going to start with what is probably a pretty obvious choice, but have you seen The Office? Do you watch that show at all? Yeah, and that's the one that came to my mind instantly. Yeah, and so uh, in one of the things that made me think about let's use TV bosses is we have a, a little chalkboard in our kitchen, and sometimes we write funny things on it. And for a while, it said... And I knew exactly what to do, but in a much more real sense, I had no idea what to do. And that line from The (laughs) Office is fantastic. And I think it that is who Michael Scott is. He's a total dunce as a boss. And I think he's he's an example of someone who gets promoted to the point of incompetence, right? Sure. He's well past his skill set in that position that he's in. But at times he's not. And that's what makes him... That's that's what makes him endure. That's what makes him like. You, there's enough moments where like, whether it's Jim looking at the camera or Pam kind of smiling, like he has these moments of like, yeah, there you go, Michael Scott. Where where you go? Yeah, because I think the one thing that is true about him, and and we'll get into some of the reasons he he's tough to work with as a boss, but the one thing that is true is he's he really does care about you as a person. Um, yeah. He's just super immature. And I think that's one of the problems with him as a boss is it's like having a 13 year old as sure. your supervisor. Um, sure. He, you know, he's always stereotyping, sexualizing just the line. That's what she said. Popping yeah. up all the time is an example yeah. of, you know, a 13 year old running an office. Right. Right. Uh, so I, I actually appreciate you bringing him up because my favorite episode probably uh, a moment of an episode is when pam has her um her art on display right and he shows up and and first of all he shows up when nobody else shows up or when you know i think a couple of people show up oscar's there uh but they they belittle her without her no without them knowing that she's there uh but he shows up not only because he just loves his people like you said and he wants to support them outside of their profession uh, but then that moment that he makes her cry by just looking at a painting and he's like, oh, you nailed it. You nailed it. Um, 
And then obviously it turns into an awkward situation. But uh, I love that moment because even though maybe he has a, a terrible job running the company, which again, at times he does well and, and, and he keeps being promoted or keeps his job because he does things well at times. Um, I just love that moment because he just truly cares for his people. And you can endure a lot of immaturity and a lot of frustrations when you know your boss cares for you as a person and knows you as a person. And, and in some ways, I think that's that's why he endures. He is a human figure. He and you can see that he's not. Yeah, it's not always, you know, us against the boss, which I think is yeah. nice. So if he's your boss, what do you do about it? I want to emphasize again what I think the the problem with him is. Um, and I. I think some of it is, despite the fact that he's he can be caring at times, he is pretty shallow in how he sees people. So you talk about sure. one of your favorite episodes. Mine is the convict when he's prison Mike, and you know he's he's stereotyping what it is to be in prison. But then he's he starts talking about the worst part of prison, and he's like, the worst part of pr- worst thing about prison is the dementors, which has like what's he even <laughs> talking about there? Um, but he's trying so hard to relate to his people. And he's in this case, he's doing a terrible job, but he is trying to protect one of his employees. So that employee isn't seen badly. Right. Um, he's also pretty indecisive and insecure. Yeah. And so whenever we're looking to to solve problems, I think we have to look at the origin. He's he's clearly insecure, which um, another one of my favorite episodes um, that expresses this is the one where they're fighting over whether or not to get a chair or a copier. And it's such an easy decision. The copying machine actually isn't working, right? But he doesn't want to upset people yeah. because he is insecure. Yeah. And he yeah. and he has this, I don't know which episode it is, but he says something like, do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. Uh, but it's not like it's this compulsive need to be praised or whatever, right? So he's even admitting, I yeah. please just like me. Yeah, and, yeah. And doesn't that give us the answer? Yeah, and so I actually think there's a couple of components here as I'm thinking about, in, in any time you're going to bring up a boss, I'm going to relate myself to them and, and where do I fit in? Uh, I think every boss wants to be liked. Every leader wants to be liked. Every person wants to be liked. Um, if that's our driving force, that's a problem. And so that's where he gets himself into some trouble is because he can't make the best choice because he just wants to, to make the popular choice. Um, but one of the things that are about Michael is I was, when you referenced that we were going to be talking about bosses, of course he came to mind. And I thought where actually I can sometimes relate to Michael as a boss is I oftentimes in various ways feel incompetent at what I do. Um, I can hang my hat on. I care deeply about my people. Um, and I will always choose people over, over tasks. Um, but I actually recently had an, ex- uh, an experience that I thought this is how we relate. This is how we handle a boss like Michael, where, um, I was struggling to kind of handle like a variety of different tasks. And one of my uh, sixth grade teachers just said, like, without even asking, he just solved one of the problems for me. He came and just kind of presented this, here's, here's what, you know, here's this, uh, um, schedule for an assembly that would work. And he was super cautious of, of like offending me, but I was super thankful of like, yeah, this is a weakness, or at least this is a weakness in this moment. And you solved it for me. Thank you. Uh, when we have people like Michael, if we can trust that they care about us and are care about us as people and they have weaknesses, let's not just sit around and talk about it. Let's step in and, and help solve the problem. 
Yeah, and that's actually one of my solutions. So I think it's fun to know that someone in your building thinks of you as Michael Scott. <laughs> and uh, because one of my solutions would be like, go ahead and give them ideas, but you might have to be okay if they claim the idea as their own. Right. I mean, <laughs> Which that's is totally Michael. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so um, as long as you. He even claimed a okay Wayne Gretzky with... quote, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did he double up on it? He's like Wayne Gretzky, Michael it, Scott. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, that, that's a I, good point, which is frustrating. And if and if your boss is always stealing your ideas, that is hard and that is frustrating. I've had a uh, work with people like that before, and it's radically demoralizing uh, at times. But if your goal is to help people and your goal is to make a difference in your building, it's just going to happen at times. Yeah, which brings me to another solution if you have somebody like this, which is you're not the supervisor. So if you play along as often as possible, you're not the one getting in trouble. Now I wouldn't yeah. say play along with the stereotyping and you know, that kind of stuff, the really bad stuff. But if, if they're trying out something and it's super silly, you might as well just play along because that <laughs> boss is going to love that you're playing along. Yeah. Right? Uh, which makes me think of the scene of uh, the CPR where they're trying to learn CPR <laughs> and it suddenly turns into a dance. <laughs> a dance right. Scene, right. Just play along. If your boss is goofy like that, just embrace it, man. You know, I, I wish Dwight would have been a supervisor enough for us to include him in this conversation because that scene where he he puts on the the face and he looks like Hannibal Lecter or whatever, that's a great scene. <laughs> well, in speaking of playing along, what about the murder mystery one, right? That's a great one too. Yeah. And then, you know, they're all like pointing their finger guns at each other and yep. they're all just yep. playing along. Just having a ton of fun. And that's a great moment too because if I remember right – like there's some fear that maybe jobs are being lost or that the branch is right. being shut down. There's something major hanging over them at that time. And, yeah. and that's where he does excel. He, he, yeah. he makes it about the people and he's like, Hey, we're in yeah. this together. I know we're in a tough time, but let's have some fun and let's enjoy this. Even if this is the end. Right. Yeah. To the extreme, it made it uh, comedic to watch, but I think Michael, if we can make him a real person and try and uh, delineate his, his true motivation, um, when there was hardships, when there was branches closing, then when there was mergers, when there was people struggling uh, at the core, Michael just wanted to say, like, listen, guys, this is just paper, right? Like, this is our job is important. Providing for your family is important. Uh, making sure we do a good job. He probably never really said that, but um, but he cared about the people. If we don't come to work and don't support one another and care for one another, then what are we doing? And I think that is uh, kind of an important takeaway that we can we can focus on with bosses like Michael. Um, if they truly care about the people, that's kind of a big, that's, that's a big um, feather in their cap that we can be thankful for. Yeah. And I, one more thing that I thought about, and this is, again, it's not best practice. It's, it's typically not a good <laughs> idea, but if, if he wants buddies and you can be his buddy, might as well, right? That's not great for him. He shouldn't be buddy, buddy with his staff, but if he's right. good and you're good, that puts you in a good place, right? Yeah. So you and you have, and... you have a, an opportunity to speak, right? He'll listen. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's another one? I like. <laughs> yeah. I'm so did you watch the office? When I yeah. So when I brought this up, did you think of any other people besides Michael Scott or or do we from want to the talk office? Next? Well, no, no, just any other bosses. Uh, not yet. I want you to keep okay. going. Okay, I will. So um, you can tell this list is being uh, made by a middle-aged white guy because my next example is office space, right? So the Bill Lumberg <laughs> character, <laughs> you know. He, at the very beginning, he's like, so if you could do that, that would be great, right? Yeah. Just the yeah. 
he's he's condescending, but he's also a micromanager, right? So yeah. he's in everybody's business all the time, going from cubicle to cubicle, you know, talking about that TPS report. There's two characteristics that you're dealing with there, right? He is kind of condescending. So you have to deal with the fact that he's belittling you. Yeah. But you also have to deal with the fact that he's in your business all the time. And those two things are a bit of a challenge. I, I've seen it multiple times, but I can't fully remember. Would it would another component be, and correct me if I'm wrong, that he's also he's not a hard worker, right? Like he doesn't lead by example. Or yeah, I think that's enough? fair. Yeah. So he might be another example of someone being put into a, a position where they just don't have the skill set. And so Again, if we're looking for solutions, I think it's often important to figure out the origin of it. My guess is a person like this is also insecure, probably gets in trouble. Hmm. And whatever they're getting in trouble for is the next thing they're thinking of. And so this hmm. new TPS report mm-hmm. probably got in some trouble for. And so that's all he can think to do is go from cubicle to cubicle. Now, hey, did you did you see that email about the hmm. TPS report? Yeah, no, I like this this uh, continued question of origin, right? And that's that's partly what our job is as people is to um, to not necessarily judge by what we see, but try and figure out why are they acting this way. And so, um, I appreciate the story of potentially he's always in trouble, or um, maybe he's feeling overwhelmed. And so, when you feel overwhelmed, you grasp at things that you can control, and he can't control so much, but he can control TPS reports. And so, right. Um, right? And so that's what we're going to, we're going to talk about it because I don't, I don't really know what to do, but I know that we can get this done well. Even in the movie. um, And I haven't watched the whole thing in a while either, but there's the two Bobs, which I believe are his supervisors and they are in there looking at making cuts and doing things like that. And so he probably is a little fearful uh, of being, which I think I want to, can I rest on that a little bit? Do you mind? Um, Sure. Go ahead. It's super easy. And I'm going to say, obviously, if you're a teacher to to your principal or or just any boss in general, it's super easy to to characterize them in, in, in simple ways. But there is a, a very strong reality that so much of our actions are based on fear, which is I don't love. Um, but anybody, we make decisions based on fear. We don't want to disappoint. We don't want to fail. And we definitely don't want to fail publicly. And so if I can begin to, with my bosses, begin to interpret their their actions, as long as I can trust their person and their integrity, their actions as they're wanting to do the right thing, but there's, there's another thing guiding their decision, whether it's fear of failure or failure of them getting in trouble from their bosses, that gives me a ton of empathy towards decision-making. And it also opens the door for me to ask more questions, to walk in and say, hey, what's going on? Like, I don't love this decision. Um, can you tell me the origin behind this decision? Uh, and that to me is is a radically healthy place. Because again, if you can, you may not, to go to quote Simon Sinek, you may not appreciate what we're doing or how we're doing it. But if you can understand the why we're doing it, you can tolerate a lot. If you, if you do have this micromanager or this condescending person, depending on which of those characteristics is stronger, I think that impacts the solution, right? So if it's somebody who's just condescending, yeah. Man, I, my advice isn't great here, but I almost think you have to you have to play along with that. And 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 I'd start by being a little passive aggressive. Man, you are so smart and so talented. Why are you <laughs> just a supervisor at Inatech or or why are you just a middle school yeah. principal? Right. I, I mean, I don't know, if that's the game they're playing, and I think they'll read that and they'll be like, ah, oh, sure, okay, all right. And if they're engaging in that way, 
they might be you might be able to hold them back by engaging them back in that way. I know that's not great advice to talk back or be passive aggressive with your supervisor. Sure. But listen, if they have if they are that flawed as a character, as a person, they're probably also weirdly going to respond to some of those same things. Yeah. So that's my bad advice on how to engage. No, I'm actually trying to think of advice on this because there's a part of me, uh, I forget the main character's name. Um, do you remember? Uh, the, are you talking about the boss or the other guy who, the I other don't guy. remember. Yeah, I can't um, remember. Because his, his response is, you know, he kind of takes on like this, I really don't care sort of mentality. You know, he's flaying his fish in his cubicle and, and just yep. kind of doing whatever. I'm not going to care so much. I don't even know if I want to say that. I don't know if I agree with that. See, I'm, well, I, I mean, can't even the say, movie I can't even is... Right. Cause I think the movie ends with like money laundering and in a tech burning down. Right. So it yeah, is a I mean, he does terrible slope. things. And I'm not saying that. And I don't want to say like back off, but like there is a component of um, know your battles. Right. So, like, okay. So here's what my dad used to tell me all the time um, uh, a dog who can whip a skunk any day of the week, but is it always worth the fight? And so um, if you have a boss that's inc- incredibly condescending and you can't, either get out of that position or out from underneath that boss, or you just kind of say like, Hey, this is going to be him for the next however many years. There is a component of like choosing which battles to pick, right? Like being very, very purposeful of anytime I walk in there, he's going to be kind of sending. So which, which battles do I really want to engage in? Yeah. And that actually ties into what my healthier advice would be, (laughs) which is (laughs) right. Not being passive, passive aggressive, but uh, you, you have to establish boundaries. Right. So if it's if it's that combination of of condescending and micromanager, you do need to go to that supervisor, establish some boundaries, maybe even offer up a solution like, hey, I work a little bit better if I have some uninterrupted time to work here. So could I maybe email you at the end of each day an update and then maybe you and I would meet on Thursdays. Right. So just give them set times where they can come and manage you, but also set up some boundaries where you get get a little uh, space to get your work done. Yeah, I think that's a good point that if you do have a micromanager of a boss like on that component, I think absorbing that and kind of playing into that, of I'm going to give you updates. Here's how I'm going to do it. Kind of acknowledging them, kind of saying, I hear you. I want to do this. Here's how I do it. And giving them giving them some solutions that also fit your personalities. Um, And as you're kind of chatting about this kind of setting boss, do you mind if I ask a question in terms of how would you handle that with your staff? Because if you I'd rather you not ask. (laughs) 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 Okay. What's your next point? No, because like (laughs) what I'm, what I'm wondering is if, if he's my boss and I'm working in that place, uh, the water cooler conversation is terrible about that boss. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think in many ways the boss deserves it. And not a very productive environment. It might be fun, right? Because we're saying things at the expense of our boss, but you kind of lose hope pretty quickly and you lose passion to, to do great things. And so how do you, if you, if you have that boss, what is your job or what is your role with the people around you? So with each of the uh, movie or TV bosses, I've thought about one solution that I thought of, but never, I, I didn't, didn't ever like secure myself to it or jot it down or anything was get a support system of people around you to help you. Hmm. And the reason I didn't was because it makes me a little nervous because is that support system really just you complaining, right? Is that your therapy, uh, which I think sometimes is healthy, right? Sure. You need to let off some steam, talk about your boss, right? You and I, but 
because of where you and I are, I wonder if maybe that's why I didn't put it in writing because I know that you and I, from time to time, there are people talking about us, sure. people complaining about us. Sure. And so maybe selfishly, I just left it off the list, right? Well, I agree because it's hard, right? Um, you walk into leadership, people are going to talk about you. As a teacher, yeah. students are going to talk about you. Parents are going to talk about you. No, I mean, no one, no one is going to be um, saved from that. And so it is going to happen. We had an episode relatively recently where you talked about who you surround yourself with. And we talked about, you know, a lot of people are surrounding themselves with podcasts and things like that, but you do have a work family that you surround yourself with. And so if it's a negative group, a group who's constantly complaining, like if that's the support group you're going to, and you're constantly complaining about your work environment, that's not healthy. But if you have a team of people that you can go to and say, this is what I'm struggling with. Yep. I hear you. Me too. Here's what I do about it. Yep. then I think that's okay. That's okay. Okay. Um, well, let me just maybe wrap up with one good thought or one last thought and you can speak into it or we can move on. Um, when I was an English teacher, um, there was a time where it just seemed like kids were always coming in with things to talk about. They're frustrated by something. And I'm like, I'm just kind of combating this for the full 45 minutes that I have them or 50 minutes that I have them. So instead of combating that, I kind of gave this analogy of everyone has to go poop, right? No matter what you have to go poop. So you're going to come in here and you're just going to dump whatever you have in a journal. I'm going to give you five minutes and you just, whatever you want to dump, just take a dump. And then we're going to get to work. And I feel like that is, if you have a boss that is frustrating, it's okay to get together and just be like, this is what happened. Can you believe he said this? Can you believe he acted that way? Like you have to acknowledge the frustrations. You have to acknowledge the deficiencies and then you have to get to work. And so surrounding yourself with people that allow you to, to open up and to be honest, but then are also going to say like, okay, so what are we going to do about it? But what are you going to do tomorrow? I think that's radically important. So if you don't have that person, be that person. Yeah. Just drop a giant number two. (laughs) What the hell, man? Could you have picked a worse analogy? I think oh, it's appropriate. Like, so like there was even uh, in a, an old <laughs> school that I was in before, uh, we put up a picture of uh, like a cardboard cutout of like a, a like a piece of poop in the, in the staff lounge. Like you have to acknowledge it, right? Acknowledge it, but then move on. Like do something about it. You're not just going to let it sit there on the table. Talk yeah. about the poop and then move I on. I mean, it's huge. Take a picture of it, sit it around. How did that happen? I think it works. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on. I don't want to stay there too long. All right. I got one more boss. Have you ever okay. seen the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? No. It's from the early 90s. Alec okay. Baldwin, Al Pacino, all kinds of people, right? Okay. So the movie starts with Blake coming in and for eight minutes says all kinds of things that are just quotable forever, especially if you're watching it for the first time when you're 16, right? He comes in, he's like, ABC, he's always be closing. Um, <laughs> he starts yelling at the guy, getting a cup of coffee. He's like, nah, put it down. Coffee's for closer. He's just screaming at people. Uh, somebody's like, Hey, do you know where, you know, Johnny is? He's like, well, I'm not a leash. So no, I don't know where he is, right? Just all kinds of great lines. And he, I mean, it's aggressive. There's also all kinds of vulgar language, but like, if you're 16, you Mm. look at this guy and you're like, man, that is what confidence looks like Mm. at 44. You know, that's not what confidence looks like, Mm. but 
I think some people hang on to that and they think that coming in and shutting people down and belittling people and being aggressive in your language, that looks like confidence because, you know, there's no wiggle room like this is how it is or else. Hmm. And, I, and I think in some ways this character is uh, the worst parts of this character hmm. is the fact that he doesn't even give allow you to be human. He, yeah. You know, he's like, oh, you're a family man. Well, you're fired. Go home and play with your kids, right? He doesn't yeah. want he doesn't want you to have any kind of personality that's outside of the office. So, would you categorize this person of like radically, and you could either call it confidence or, or again, kind of like a same origin story of a Michael Scott, but just manifesting itself differently, right? Um, but the problem is that he's whatever he says or whatever he does, that is that is it. Yes. It, it, in fact, and I didn't go back and I don't remember what the episode is and I don't even remember what. So Michael Scott, there's an episode where he's doing an, a, an acronym. He's mm -hmm. got the letters, right? Uh, or initialism. I don't know what the correct term is, but he's acronym. got the letters down there, right? Well, Blake, this guy in, in Glengarry, Glen Ross is doing the same thing. He's got A, B, C, always be closing. So he's even using some of the same strategies, but obviously yeah. being very different. And your question about, is it the same origin? I'm not sure. That would be my first thought, right? He's so insecure that he makes up for it by this abrasive behavior. I think if that's the case, if it's coming from insecurity, I think there's a solution. But if it's coming because that person is a narcissist, mm -hmm. I don't know if there is a solution. No, they're dangerous. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and that's the only way I can describe leadership that are narcissists. They're dangerous uh, because they will take any opportunity in every decision um, and it will be for their own personal benefit or glory. Um, and the really good narcissists can disguise it in a way that looks um, like they care for people or they care about what about the, the greater good. And maybe at times they do, but only so far as it benefits them. And the second that it's, it asks them to take a back seat or to, to be humbled. Um, they will burn whatever they can. And so th those are dangerous bosses. And to me, my only advice on those is if you can get out. Yeah. My number one piece of advice, do your job really well while looking for another job. Yep. Of course. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually a component of, as as I kind of knew you were going to talk about this and I didn't know the people you're going to bring up. I think there's a very real warning or encouragement that if you have a boss that is unethical, if you have a boss that is um, a narcissist, those are dangerous places to work. Yeah. If you have a boss that is going to make you uncomfortable or who's going to in any way, like and, and part of me wants to say like, if Michael Scott is your boss, get the hell out. Right. Like he's, he's there. There's enough, uh, about him that is dangerous um, and, and uncomfortable. Now, granted, he's made for TV, um, or at least 15 years ago TV. If you have bosses like that, I think there's there's a, I, I feel like there is a, a fear of failure when we leave or of the unknown. Um, but the alternative is those kind of bosses will not change. So, and, and I thought about that. Yeah, and I was thinking about that too, because it's a cop out for me to just say, do your job. And then look for another job because there is this window of time where you are there and you have to stay because yeah. there's money, there's insurance, things yeah. like that. Um, if it's safe enough, like you safe enough, go, right? So, what I would say is 
don't propose ideas to this person, right? Ask questions, ask for help. Uh, hey, w- what do I do? But don't do it in a way that you f- it seems like you're insecure or can't do your job, right? But you can't sound like you're telling them what to do. Sure. Uh, well, I think your previous statement, you, I think you said something like, um, uh, you say set up safety nets or, or yeah. right? Um, and that can mean a lot of things. It can mean uh, um, I've encouraged different employees uh, in different schools and or professions of um reduce the amount of interactions that you have with this person, at yeah. least face to face, right? That's a, yep. that's a very e- easy, tangible way of protecting yourself, reduce interaction time. Um, but then also um, in a very uh, maybe coy way, have people around, right? Yeah. Uh, like uh, I've, I've worked in, in places before where I didn't trust my boss. And so what I would do um, is I would invite somebody to say, Hey, can you just kind of hang outside the office? Like make it incon- yep. inconspicuous, but just hang outside the office so that, there's ears to hear. Yep. So in my total answer is head down, do your job super well, look for another job, make sure to your point, try to avoid the interactions, keep doors open so that if those interactions are happening, other people are hearing, seeing. Um, if you know your your boss's supervisors and you know it's a safe place to go and, and express your concerns, do that. Because you do know that a boss like that is going to be cycling through employees. Yep. You're probably not going to be the first person to have said it. Yep. Um, you don't want to put yourself at risk, right? So if you know that, that your boss has a close relationship with his or her supervisor, don't. Uh, yep. you probably can't do that, right? Yep. But if you can, you got to go there, put it on record, yep. um, and, and keep yourself safe until you can find a better place. So then, uh, if, do you mind if I pivot into... Go well, ahead. Those are my three worst. examples that I, yeah. yeah, those are my well, three that's examples. Like, that to me, today. that's the worst case scenario boss, yep. right? That like you truly feel unsafe. And there there are some very, I think, radical decisions that need to be made, even to the point of like document every interaction. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, but the bulk of us don't have those bosses. The bulk of us have so you almost have like um your your bell chart, right? To the right, you have um your terrible bosses that are ter- that are terrifying and destructive. And then to the left, you have your fantastic bosses that truly are changing the world and that you would die for them, right? Those are the extremes. The bulk of everybody has bosses that are tolerable or you like components about them or their strengths about them, but then there's weaknesses in them. Um, and so what I've really begun to wrestle with, either with me as a boss or with my bosses, is they have strengths. Absolutely. And if I can trust their person, that they're ethical people, I can work with them forever. What I need to do is I'm going to identify what do they do well? Because I I want to remind myself of that often. They do this very, very well. What are their weaknesses? And if I can identify their weaknesses, at least from my perspective, my job is not to sit there and badmouth that all the time because that's just going to irritate me. My job is actually just to offer help and support in in a humble sort of way. How can I, how can I engage? How can I pick up the slack? Um, because it's not there, like in the same way that like my bosses have weaknesses and I can maybe identify them. I do too, because everyone has weaknesses. We have strengths and we have weaknesses. And so don't keep complaining about it or, or fighting against it, embrace it and, and find ways to support it. Yeah. So if you are the boss, I think it's really important that you don't surround yourself with yes, men and women surround yourself with people who will challenge you and yeah. who are, are talented enough to fill in for some of the skills that you lacked. My previous boss, uh, she just retired. Uh, we gave her a going away party for her. 
Um, and so we're surrounded by a bunch of elementary principles. And as I kind of look around the room, I'm, I'm like, yeah, there's a, there's a, a certain component to all of us that is the same, but we're all radically different. And she does that, does that intentionally so that the group has different perspectives, different strengths. And that takes a leader of confidence to say, I want to hire people who will argue with me and highlight my weaknesses with their strengths because I need them. I think what has to be true then for this team of people is your core values have to be the same but your talents, your skills, and your perspective can all be varied. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate about my boss is that he entrusts me to use my talents and skills and and kind of sets me free. He lets me know a few of his goals and he's like, do this thing in a way that makes sense to you with your talents. And I'm like, yes, thank you. And I I love him for that. That's a big deal. It reminds me of uh, the book Humilitas, I've referenced, I think, with you in multiple conversations before, where he says the true definition of humility is uh, the ability to acknowledge our strengths and weaknesses, our resources, and choose to give them away. And so sometimes, as your boss is doing, he's saying, I have resources of people who are different than me, with different skill sets than me. I need to use them to bless our staff and to push them into our staff and not be defensive or not be insecure and kind of like hoard them of like, Casey, that's not your job or Casey, know your, know your role, right? That's a terrible boss. Um, but when bosses say, Hey, you're fantastic at this. And actually it's my weakness. Go after it. That's a fantastic place to work. Uh, I, the only other boss that I ever came to my mind, um, was from band of brothers, uh, S- Sergeant Winters, if you remember him, um, not only do I want to highlight him because he's a fellow redhead and I don't think there's enough redheaded leaders, uh, represented in, in Hollywood. Um, but he just, to me is the quintessential, uh, leader, which is he rises to leadership roles, not because he wants it, but because of his actions and his men want to follow him. And then when he becomes a leader, uh, his, he actually has to be sometimes literally held back by people because he wants to go on the front lines with his men. And they're saying, no, you have to stay back. And even though he's not in the midst of the fighting, his men know he wants to be there and he makes decisions based on his men. Um, and it's, and then even when he's interacting, have you seen Ben brothers? I have, but it's been a while. So even when there's a moment where he's face to face with some people that didn't, that he didn't like when he was a, um, just a soldier uh, or people that were disrespectful, he always responds in a way of integrity and, and, and what is good and right. And that is why people follow him. He makes mistakes, uh, but he owns them and he cares for his people. He is the, he is the opposite of Michael Scott with the good qualities of Michael Scott. Yeah. One of my general philosophies about being a leader is everyone who you work with should know that as human beings, you see them as equals to you. Your role is to make the difficult decision so that they don't have to, but otherwise in all ways we are equal as humans and being on the front line with them is one way to do that. Sure. I sure. I think a boss that if you have a boss that believes their title makes them more important, um, that's a, that's a bad boss or at least the beginnings of a bad boss. Uh, because the leadership role or that title makes it's, it's just a, it's just a task that you've been given. It's the job that you have at hand. There's, there's no importance. There's no value added to it. Yeah. So, uh, do you have anybody else you want to talk about? Are you ready for takeaways? I'm ready for a takeaway. All right, let's hear it. Origin stories. That's my takeaway. Um, either pursue it with them one-on-one or, uh, try to do 
to create it on your own in a positive way, right? There's a reason why they act the way that they act. And if they, you can trust them, you can trust their integrity, then the origin stories um, are important to understand them and to give them empathy and, and grace. For me, it's the point that you made, which I know that we're trying to help people. Hey, if you're dealing with a difficult boss, but you and I are are in leadership positions. And so your point about leaders must be willing um, to be humble, to have mm-hmm. humility and to recognize their own weaknesses and to surround themselves with people that will, you know, fill in those weaknesses. That's my final takeaway. Can we agree that when we say leaders, we're not talking about building leaders or bosses. We're talking about anybody who has the responsibility of guiding other people. Absolutely. So everybody is a leader yep. to some capacity. Yeah, you bet. Hey man, that was a ton of fun. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for being patient with me today, getting here a little bit late, but it's always a great time to ch- uh, hanging out with you, Mr. Shirts. So yeah, I see a ton of snow out the window, so I know you weren't lying. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, next week, um, I'm looking forward to it already. Until then, my brother, do great things. And keep knocking. All right, brother. I'll see you. See ya. Hey, thanks so much for spending some time with us. You can reach out at Twitter, Shirts and Ties, or you can email us at shirtsandties at gmail.com. Thanks so much again for your time, and I hope you don't have a boss like Michael Scott. Take care. Take care.